Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, ladies and gents, boys and girls, happy Tuesday. Hope you're all doing well. Tuesday, September the 13th, 2022. Appreciate you all tuning in. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the, the, the Daily Crow. If I can spit it out, the Daily Crow. Of the Spurs Up show, we are here taking your questions, your comments, and your calls. 843-790-3377. That's 843-790-3377. Those tuned into the podcast, welcome. Appreciate you all tuning in. I see Travi, Travis Allen, Connor Lee, DGD, John Edward, Todd Smith, Chase Floyd, DC. What's going on? Appreciate you all tuning in. Also, those in the Big Cock Club Discord, Head over to the TDC Questions channel. The TDC Questions channel. Be sure your questions are answered there. We're rocking busy Tuesday. Shane Beamer will speak to the media this afternoon. We've also got Alex McGrath at 12.15. We'll talk about everything that happened over the weekend as well as the upcoming game against the Georgia Bulldogs. It is to hell with Georgia week. It is Georgia week. Love it. Anyways, guys, want to hear from you, 843-790-3377. And I highly encourage you, listen, I highly encourage you to call in. Anybody who wants to call in, I highly encourage it to happen, right? Anything you got to say, anything you want to discuss, anything you want to chat about, phone lines are open. You're more than welcome to do so. Dak Gamecock, what's up, man? Kevin Crossland, what's going on? Appreciate you all tuning in, like I said. Uh, Before we really get going, guys, of course, the Daily Crow brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100%, 100% deposit match up to $100. Guys, you're making money this football season on spreads, over-unders, future bets, what have you. Why not incorporate Prize Picks into your rotation? Why not incorporate Prize Picks? And play some prop plays, right? Again, that's our friends at Price Picks. Download the app, go to the website, whatever you want to do, but use that promo code TSUS at sign up to receive a 100% deposit match up to $100. Again, be sure to check them out. And we appreciate our friends at Price Picks for their love and support of the Spurs Up show. Also, we'll jump into the phone lines real quick. Braddock, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, Chris, man, just wanted to call and, and just ask, what's all that shade they were throwing your way, man? That's just BS. You're, you're awesome, and appreciate what you do and the content that you bring, but uh, it, it's just crazy how, you know, you make one real analysis on – I mean, I, I, I thought it was fair, and then they're calling him spineless loser and all this. I mean, just – I think that's when you know that you're, you, you've arrived – and you're getting that much of a reaction out of them, man. And just wanted to call and just, you know, show my support and keep doing what you're doing. Braddock, I appreciate that, my friend. Thank you so much for the call. It uh, means yeah. a lot. So to Braddock's point, um, there's really no point in dancing around it, right? And I'll just go ahead and say this because I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it because I said what I said. 
And, and when you do what I do, you give thousands of takes, right? I mean, this, this is this is Taylor's oldest time year after year this happens. And, and if and if you're not familiar what I'm talking about, I, I, you'd have to literally, I think, be living under a rock. Um, the the carry on joiner and just talking about this football team and the way guys fit on this football team and and what their roles are. You know what? You give thousands of takes, guys, and I would say 98% of my takes or 98% of the takes we have, they land. They do well. People rock with them. People fuck with them. You know what I'm saying? Like, people people really, you know, support it. They're behind it. You're going to have that 2%. You're going to have that 2% that doesn't land, doesn't hit, and for whatever reason, people take it personally. They see the worst in the take. It's just going to happen. With that being said, I'm not going to change up my way of doing things and, and limit myself and, and be timid and make mistakes of sloth versus mistakes of ambition. Shout out to Tim Ferriss for that quote. I'm not going to do that because being cautious and walking on eggshells to make sure you don't have those 2% of takes, it's going to take away from the 98%. I said this at the end of the show yesterday. I'll say it again. As the great Coach Boone once said, I don't scratch my head unless it itches. I don't dance unless I hear music. We will not be intimidated. So, I don't have a whole lot to say on it, man. I appreciate the love, Braddock. Um, I said what I said. I gave my take. We keep it rocking. We keep it moving. Uh, it's worked out pretty well to this point, in, in my honest opinion. On that note, by the way, uh, very excited to celebrate with you all. As of today... As of this morning, we have surpassed our 2021 year-to-date sales numbers on the merchandise side of the business. Why is that a big deal? Well, guys, it's September the 13th, and we've already surpassed those merchandise sales numbers. Also, what you should keep in mind is when you look at the numbers last year, we did uh, 70, I would say maybe 75%, probably 75% of our sales during football season. So we're in peak season right now, and we've already surpassed our sales numbers. And since you're tuned into the Daily Crow, you guys deserve to know the numbers, right? We're not talking $5,000, $6,000. We're about to hit $50,000 in sales. So that's a testament to you guys, the love and support on the merchandise side of the business. It's been incredible to, to push value out there on the merchandise side and uh, to feel the love and the support. So just wanted to throw that out there. Things are going pretty well on our end. So Again, you give a lot of takes, you talk ball. People want to ask me, why is the carry-on joiner not playing? And I give you a legitimate answer. Nobody has refuted that what I said is wrong. That's the funniest part. So it's, it's, it's not one of those things where I'm not going back and forth with people. You might notice I've responded to no one. So I've responded to no one. That will continue, and uh, we will keep rocking and just keep it a buck. And again, man, I, I've been the same exact way since 2017. This has happened before. I've had takes that did not land, guys. I was the fire must champ guy for a while. I had the thing with the Jalen Brooks saga for a while. Now we're on to this. It is what it is, man. The beauties and the banter. We keep it rocking. We keep it rolling. We keep it moving. The reason TSUS has been as successful as it has and the reason it will continue to be as successful as it will be is because we don't let one take define us. That, that's why I create so much content. It's one take out of thousands. I'm, I don't hit on 100%. Nobody does. 
Nobody does. I would still argue the take wasn't bad. I would still argue the take is legitimate. If that pisses you off, so be it. We're shaving the fat off the top of the people that can't handle the truth. It is what it is. So I stand 110% behind what I said. There's a reason I haven't issued an apology. There's a reason I haven't deleted a tweet. There's no need to. We're talking ball. It ain't personal. Wasn't a character shot. It is what it is. So beauties in the banter. We'll keep it moving. And like I said, you look at the numbers and you tell me. I think it's worked out pretty well to this point. We'd love to hear from you guys. Let's talk some ball. Again, we got Alex McGrath coming on 12-15. We're looking ahead of this weekend's game against Georgia. It's the hell with Georgia week. Um, anyways, yeah. I mean, again, that was something you noticed. I, I, I did not mention it all yesterday. And why? You know what I mean? Why? Um, I, I, I can genuinely sit here and tell you I was, and still am, just shocked. Shocked by the outcry on social media. I don't know if it's because we lost Saturday or what the hell's going on, but you want an honest answer about why a guy is not playing and why he's not why he's not a factor in our offense? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. It's, it's not a knock on the kid. It's just a reality. We've talked all preseason about on Joyner. Not a quarterback, not a receiver. He, he's just an athlete. And unfortunately, what people don't realize, if they – see, that's the funny thing. You can tell who doesn't consume – any of the content, you can tell. Because if you listen to my commentary, I've told you, I feel bad for Dak Joyner. He's a victim of poor development from poor coaching, a poor coaching staff and Will Muschamp that recruited him. I, I kind of low-key wish he would have transferred because I would have loved to have seen him be a starting quarterback somewhere. It's not that I don't want him to be a Gamecock. Again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave it alone because there's just no point in going on and on. People expose themselves or what they are on social media. So, it is what it is. Again, I got nothing but love for Dak Joyner, but don't ask me a question if you don't want the honest truth. We do that every single day. Uh, so, it is what it is. Anyways, beauties in the banter. We'll keep rocking. Again, I think it's uh, it's going pretty well to this point. Either way. Uh, let's see. Tony Sharp with the super chat. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate the love, my guy. Appreciate the love, Tony. Thank you so much. Uh, incredible stuff. Yeah, if you want to support the business, support the channel, support the content, and you're on YouTube, you can do so through Super Chat, Super Stickers, all that good stuff there. Again, we're prepping up or gearing up for Shane Beamer's presser at 1.30 he will speak. Alex McGrath will join us at 12.15. Really excited to chat with him. Um, Let's Garrett. Are all the guys in the 2023 O-line class starting next year? Well, you t- yeah, there goes the Mustang Packers. You typically don't want to start freshman offensive linemen. You typically don't want to do that. Um, I think you'll see a couple of them play, though. I mean, I think two or three guys probably will start. I mean, that, that, that's – listen, I, I went on with Mark Rogers this morning, and we were talking about this game. Went on a Georgia podcast last night. We were talking about this game. And, I mean, that's – dude, it, it, that's the issue with South Carolina, guys. I, I mean, that is. Like, I, I don't know why it bothers people so much. I, I don't know why it, it people take it so personally. I, I don't know why people let their feelings get hurt so badly just to call a spade a spade and talk about the football team. I like this football team. Call I think from. this football team can win Justin. seven or eight games, but line of scrimmage is still an issue. Let's jump the whole line. Justin, what's up, man? How are you? Yeah, I'm going to say, Chris, I, I sent you a text message yesterday. What's up? Um, I sent you a text message yesterday. 
Oh, did you? What did it say? My bad. I might have missed it. Um, yeah. Um, hey, Chris. Uh, what do you think about Scott from CFR uh, last Saturday? Um, what are your thoughts on this? Happy for Nebraska fans, man. It was a long time coming. And it's unfortunate because Frost was thought of as a great hire, but it just obviously did not turn out that way. Yeah, I agree, Chris. I, I Look, I feel bad for the guy. Uh, look, look, I hope he's going to tell Nebraska. We did, but after, at the end of the day, it's, it was not come in, you know? Yeah, at the end of the day, man, you're losing all those one-score games. It's, uh, you know, you, you just – you have no chance of surviving. So – you know, just really glad we're not in that position. You know, obviously someone – as someone who uh, has been on the side of things where, you know, I've called for a coach's job, really glad to not be there anymore. Really glad to not be there anymore. So. Yep, I agree, Chris. And think about Nebraska, man, man, you just cannot take the offense, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, dude, for sure. That, that, that was a crazy game on Saturday night. So, had a lot of fun watching it, but uh, – just a wild game, wild game. So, yeah, yeah, Chris, I got here, man. We talked about uh, Jimbo Fisher, man. Jimbo Fisher, um, I don't think he's a bad coach. I think it's just, I, I don't know, man. It's crazy what's going on at A and M. Uh, losing to Appalachian State, you know, wow. I mean, you talk about us feeling it. How are A and M fans and Nebraska fans feeling? So, I, I, I mean, I think, I think Jimbo's a good coach. I, I don't think he's a bad coach, but. They got issues, too. They, 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 they got issues, too. Um, so, you know, we'll see if they can overcome it. Hopefully they don't because I, I'd love to end that streak. But, um, yeah, it's, it's wild, 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 what, uh, wild to see them lose that game to App State for sure. Oh, yeah. It's a fine go, man. Uh, we thought about uh, Shebby. Shebby needs to do about the, the next year we have because it's two, you know. He's talking about the what now? They didn't even need to do something like this. Like he's playing a lot former head coach. Did you know? Yeah, dude, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah. Hey, listen, we're behind Shane Beamer 110%, man. No doubt. Beamer ball to the moon. It's year two. It's early on in his tenure. Uh, excited for what's to come. So. Oh, yeah. Me, yeah, me too, Chris. Hey, Chris, who would like to see Shane Bay as a, as a former head coach? Who would I like to see Shane Beamer bring in? Yeah, like, like, like a former head coach. Like, they say about, like, the, the kids, uh, the Seahawks. Dude, I, I, have, I have no idea, man. I, I like the staff we have now. Everybody's got pressure on them, but I, I like the staff we have now, my friend. I got no clue in regards to uh, – <laughs> I got no clue in regards to a wish list of uh, of head coaches. Yeah, we have to wait to see how that plays out, huh, Chris? Yeah, for sure. Justin, we got Alex McGrath on, my guy. I'm going to let you go, but I appreciate you calling him. All right, take care, my brother. Yeah, appreciate Go it. Cox. Go Cox, for sure. Uh, again, appreciate the call, Justin. Again, as always, Tuesday, September the 13th, every single Tuesday, we bring my good friend Alex McGrath onto the show. Alex, what's going on, my friend? How are you? I'm doing good, buddy. How are you this morning? Or I'm I guess this afternoon. Well. Yeah, this afternoon, I'm doing well. Uh, just getting after it. Of course, man, the beauties and the banter. It wouldn't be football season without Twitter hitting hitting the fan. So uh, things are things are going well. The the brand numbers are are through the moon. Um, so and we're about to we've already eclipsed 2021 year to date merchandise sales. Things are going well, my friend. Business is booming. How are you doing on this Tuesday? I'm doing pretty good, man. Doing pretty good. Just watch watching the fallout from a hotter than expected cpi report but that's neither here nor there for what we need to talk about for sure for sure 
Um, Alex, we'll go ahead and dive into everything, man. The game against Arkansas. Um, higher scoring than I expected. But I'll be honest with you, the game went sort of how I thought it would. In regards to we, we knew what the matchup problems were going to be. We, we know what yep. the issues and deficiencies of this football team are. And we felt like most likely they were going to be exposed on Saturday. I'll just first ask you your overall takeaways from what you saw Saturday. Anything stand out, surprise you in any way? Was it what you expected? Just kind of a high-level overview, and then we'll dive into everything in detail. Cool. I mean, I'm, honestly, to – to be gashed like we were gashed in the first half from a defensive line perspective and just like general run defense perspective, to be to have that be a five-point game at the end of the third quarter, I think kind of speaks volumes to the fight that's in this team. We just, I think we just ran out of gas at the end, and you know, certainly those are all <clears throat> certainly those are all things you can improve on. So hopefully, we see that next iteration and that next jump from this past Saturday to this Saturday. Because certainly you've got uh, an equal opponent coming in. And it's crazy how the beginning of this schedule, Alex, plays out, right? Because I I feel like you took on Georgia State, they run for 200. Arkansas was just more of what Georgia State was, a better version, right? Similar type of styles, run the football smash mouth. They run for 295. Now you got Georgia. So, you know, you, you look at how we, we talked about it all preseason. Again, the way this schedule sets up and, and the challenges early on. Let's first start, Alex, offensively. Had a lot of fans that were, that were complaining that maybe we abandoned the run too early and, and we, we should have stuck with the run game. But then you listen to Shane Beamer in the postgame, right? He talked about they were without Catalan. They were without Slusher. They were down guys in the secondary. The game plan was to attack – right? A batter and bruise secondary. You're just overall thoughts on the offensive game plan. And I think also, too, what you have to factor in, you go down 21 to three, you kind of have to throw. I mean, you don't really have much of a choice. Your overall thoughts and just how, you know, Marcus Satterfield attacked the game plan. I, again, I, I know you're probably, we're going to get tired of talking about Marcus Satterfield, but until this <laughs> offense is just a consistent, well-oiled machine, he's going to be a topic of conversation and everybody's going to have something to say about him. Your overall thoughts on the way the Gamecocks offense attacked Arkansas's defense on Saturday. I mean, I, like to, to think that we abandoned the run, I think is a little short-sighted given kind of the way the game played out to your point where you are down 21 to three, you got to figure out a way to get back into that. I think, from an overall game plan perspective, I liked it. You know, you come out of the gates, you drive down the field, you have a couple of miscues, you get a punt. You know, your second possession, drive down the field again, you got a couple of miscues, you got a punt. So, th- I mean, those are obviously things that you can clean up. But from an attacking standpoint, I thought we looked really good coming out of the gate initially. I mean, certainly you had some deep balls that you missed that, you know, hopefully you can turn those into 50-50 balls a couple of weeks from now. That gives you a lot more success on that end. Um but like I didn't have any issues with the game plan other than <laughs> I I don't know why we're not targeting Josh Van or why Jaheim Bell is not being targeted. Those are the those are the two question marks I had coming out of it. It was like why are we not involving two of our better players in this? And, and you know, shout out to Antoine Wells for having a heck of a breakout performance. Yeah, I think that's something definitely else. You know, I, I want to give credit to the fact that every defense we play, right? They also know who our guys are. Uh, they know we want to get the football to Jaheim Bell. They know we want to get the football to a Josh Van, but especially like a Jaheim Bell. Four carries for five yards. Granted, one of the carries was a touchdown, but four carries for five yards. 
no catches. That, that just can't happen. I, it's just I, it, flat. It it's can't just happen. curious. <clears throat> right. Like, how did that come about? Yeah. Like, that's, that's the part I don't understand is, you know, why – like, especially when you talk about taking shots down the field or you talk about throwing 50-50 balls to people, like, he is somebody that you should be throwing three of those two a game because you know he's going to make his best effort to go get it, and then that creates your explosive play. So it's just – it's odd to me that we just didn't do that. And I don't know if that was – you know, it just wasn't there or that was by design, but it was just – it was odd. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, I'll ask you this. Anytime, you know, win or lose, quarterback gets way too much of the credit, way too much of the blame. You look at Spencer Rattler's play on Saturday. What did you think of his performance? Um, You know, I I thought, again, you throw for 376. Yes, he had the late game, you know, kind of forced the ball into the end zone, trying to make a play. Um, I think it's obvious he still doesn't. You know, I hear people say, well, he doesn't trust his protection. It's like, well, no kidding. <laughs> no, no joke. Um, but overall, your thoughts on his performance. I mean, again, I, I think, you know, we're starting with the positives because I think that is – I think that is the positive that you can take away is uh, the way this offense played just in regards to just seeing them have some success. And, again, it all starts with seven under center. I mean, I think he played – I think he played a pretty good game. You know, like I, I – hearing what Steven said last week where – you know, he thought, you know, there were several situations where Spencer just kind of got happy feet. Like, hearing him say that and watching the game under that lens, I saw that several times where it was just like, you know, you didn't have pressure on you immediately. And it was just kind of like, well, I'm going to scramble out here a little bit. So I think those are things that you can clean up. But, you know, all, overall, I thought he played really well. And truthfully, the protection, I thought, was worlds different this week than it was against Georgia State. So I think those are – those are two positives I take away and certainly things that you're that can be improved on week over week throughout the season. Yeah, I, I thought pass pro Alex was a lot better. You know, we, we, we do need to give credit to the offensive line. Um, pass pro certainly, again, improved. You know, the running game, <sighs> deficiency. I guess I'd ask you moving forward. How, how, what, what do you feel like? Do you think this offense is identity? Because we're still searching for one, <clears throat> right? And I talked to Steven Garcia about this yesterday. Do, do you feel like this offense should – just scrap the run game and go more towards a pass heavy. Like, like what is, and I, and I know maybe it's not a great game to make that determination from, because again, the matchup against Arkansas, I mean, they're, they're going to push a lot of people around, man. They're a big physical football team, but is there anything you take away from the offense that you'd like to see them carry over into Georgia and more so throughout the rest of the season? I mean, do you think this should be an offense that relies on the pass game heavily? Because I would like to see this team have some success running the football, but I also feel, I mean, if it's not there, you're going to kind of have to do what you did on Saturday, which is become pass happy. I think, uh, like, just from what I kind of throw last year from an offensive identity standpoint, just kind of out the window because you had such a, like, a rotating quarterback situation throughout the year where it's, you know, it's Zeb Nolan, then it's Luke Doty, and then it's Zeb again, and then it's Jason Brown. And so you, you didn't really have that identity under center that, you know, it was, you know, it's the same player who can do the same things. So given what we saw last year, given what we've seen this year, just in the struggle to run the football on a consistent basis, what I'd like to see from an identity from them, given the weapons you do have on the outside and given the player you have pulling the trigger is just a more oriented pass offense to then open up the run. 
instead of trying to run first to establish that, let's establish our game plan through the air that they can open up the run in the second half of it. Now, Alex, you moved to the defensive side of the football. Um, and really the, the story of this ball game, because a lot of folks after Saturday were, were, were talking for just whatever reason about the shortcomings of the offense and Satterfield and the game plan. But, dude, you give up 295 yards rushing. And, and I – like, listen, I understand it's a team game, right? The offense needs to help the defense by staying out on the field longer. They do. Nobody would deny that. But how long are we going to use the excuse of, well, it's the offense's fault that the defense isn't stopping the run? I mean, dude, at some point, right? At some point, you just have to face the reality that for whatever reason, like, we are struggling in that facet of the game. And again, Arkansas, bad matchup. Big physical offensive line. They've got a bigger offensive line than I would argue probably some NFL teams. I don't know that for a fact. But I'm sure they are comparable to some NFL teams. But you look at this football team, and I want to try to find bright spots, Alex, from the defense. Again, there will be much more favorable matchups. This defense, it's not like I think that Arkansas game is going to define them in any way. But it looks a lot like the same defense as last year. Where you look at the statistics, it's just through two games. But you're ranked near the bottom of college football and run defense. And your pass defense is ranked 15th. Right, like, like, like okay. it, it, it feels damn near the exact same. I'm having deja vu. Um, what you saw from the Gamecocks defensively, again, in just this one-game sample size, we're not putting a nail in their coffin. We're, we're not saying they're going to be terrible forever. But the matchup we feared, I guess I should say, going into Saturday, it exposed itself. I mean, it did. But on the flip side of that coin, like, you know, based on what we saw – Saturday, like Arkansas very well may win the SEC West. So that's not like a joke of an opponent. That's an extremely talented football team that does one thing really, really, really well. And that's be extremely physical on the front end with very good running backs. And so, you know, I think, I think we all know that from like, like our kind of our top line, we've got, we've got good players there, but it's building that depth that hasn't been there. And so when you get into a situation where you're just getting run on and run on and run on, that's where you got to have that depth that can come in behind you and continue to clean that up or at least give you reprieve from that onslaught. And we just, we just don't have that at this point. And there's not a quick fix for that. Yeah. But I'm, I'm kind of stunned that people are blaming the offense for the defensive struggles on this one. It, it's happening more often than you would think, Alex. And, and like I said, I don't want to totally take – I don't want to totally take credit away from the fact that, again, yes, if your offense is continuously just going three and out and they're getting gassed, the defense is, I totally understand that. But Arkansas jumped out to a 21-3 to lead. And, and let me jump there, by the way, Alex. This team, I don't know why it has become such a trend, but man, and I, and I, I want to give credit to this too. We've played some really good football teams on the road, right? You look over since the Shane Beamer era has begun, like the SEC games on the road, we're talking Georgia, we're talking A&M, Tennessee, Arkansas. Like these are not slouches, right, that we are playing on the road. Either way, though, this team, you notice it too, is getting off to such bad starts. Like – I mean, is there any solution? Is it just – because, I mean, you think about it. Your next road game is in Lexington against Kentucky. 
you just can't afford to fall down 21 to three or 14 nothing or you know what I mean like you're really putting yeah. yourself in a tough spot when you're digging these holes I mean is there a solution is it just as again simple as just play better I mean it, it, I, I again I know you feel the frustration on your end it's just so maddening to almost feel like you're out of the game before it even really gets going yeah, uh, I mean, I think the most glaring examples of that, or at least, you know, Georgia was what it was last year. We knew what we were walking into right. there. Um, A&M was unspeakably bad. Um, you know, we, we threw a defensive lineman halfback pass against Tennessee. Um, that didn't end the didn't way we the wanted it to. Didn't, didn't help no, it really didn't. Um, so you know, like it, 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 those those games from last year feel very different to me than this one did. Just it, insofar as to say, like you know, like the first two drives we had the ball, we moved the football pretty good, and then there were just miscues that you can clean up that you know resulted in no points. Where Arkansas just got the ball three straight times and basically possessed the ball all the way down the field, just running it. And so that's just I, I don't know if there is an easy or quick fix solution to that other than you're playing really good competition that's able to kind of do what they want to do from the ground game standpoint. And I, I would say, Alex, the good news is this, you know, after leaving that game on Saturday and, you know, I, I think a lot of, I thought for the most part, the reaction to the loss was, you know, no moral victories, but but I don't think people were like jumping off a ledge necessarily. But those that were, because there were some, I think what you saw is people that went against what I said and don't put the entire stock of the season in this week two game, a game that, again, doesn't favor you with the matchups. But you look at that ball game, and then you look at the recruiting, and you look at how South Carolina's recruiting on the offensive and the defensive line. There's a reason, you know, there's a reason. And, you know, we, we face the issues head on, right? Some people shy away from it. It makes them uncomfortable. They, they don't want to face the issue. We face the issue. Line of scrimmage is the problem right now with this football team. Obviously, you can be upgraded across the board. Every single position on the field can get better. But – and that doesn't mean this team is doomed to, to – you know, last year you won seven games with practically the same guys you had on the line of scrimmage last year. But reinforcements on the way, are on the way. I, I think that is something that can make Gamecock fans feel good. And, and uh, again, when you speak on recruiting, I mean, it, it, at least Shane Beamer's a coach that it's identifying what the problem area is or, or where the, the deficiency is, and he's going out. And he's attacking it and recruit, and that's just all you can ask for. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, <laughs> to your point, you can't throw the season like out the window because of this. Again, like everything that unfolded on Saturday, like I, it, Arkansas might legitimately win the Western side of this. Division. At least challenge Bama because it sure don't look like A and M's going to do it. Uh, <laughs> that's they are paying a lot of money for that coach to get dominated by Appalachian State. Um, but, like, even looking on the eastern side of the division, like, Georgia looks like world beaters, but, like, it didn't look like – everybody else kind of came back to earth here. And I think there's a lot of parity in the league right now that maybe hasn't been there for a while. So I think those, like, opportunities to get, you know, two, seven, eight, potentially nine wins are sitting there. It just depends on how like, much you can progress over these weeks and – take that to the next level. And I think I think of anything that we've seen, we have the guys to make that happen. It's can you 
stay in those ball games and can you continue to get better week to week? Because, you know, I was, I was listening to your pod yesterday, um, just kind of talking about, you know, offensive line progression from last year to this year. And it's just like, you know, are they the same players? Of course, but it's just that experience in the system and just getting more snaps under your belt and getting better. And I think, you know, week one to week two, they looked a lot better in pass pro. So can you continue the growth in that trend? Can for the love of God, can we throw the ball to Jaheim Bell and Josh Van, like these weapons that we have that were for reasons beyond me, not utilizing. I mean, like we're not running the ball great, but Marshall Lloyd looks really good. Yeah. Oh, like, I, I agree. I agree. If he gets like, any sort of push, he, he looks healthy. Looks good to go. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. just like you have these. And I think that's probably where most of the frustration is coming from. Is like you you know, like these are good players that we have that we're just like not featuring or giving opportunities to. And I think that's where a lot of that frustration is coming in. Yeah. In addition think- to the fact that, you know, like is there an offensive identity to this point? I would say no. What um, If I was going to create one out of thin air, that's what I would create. Let's be pass first to open up the run because I think that's what's going to give you the most success. Yeah, and I think, Alex, that's that's what really frustrates Gamecock fans. Is It just feels like forever. I mean, it's been since it feels like the Steve Spurrier days. We have not had a true offensive identity. Like, what's, what's the DNA of the football team? Like, what makes us tick? What is Carolina football, right? That's, that is important. What is Carolina football? Um, you think about the successful teams, the Georgias, the Alabamas, hell, the Kentuckys, the Floridas, the Tennessees. You feel like they have some sort of a DNA and I feel like right now we struggle with it because we go into, you know, and I know you have to adjust your game plan based on the opponent, all that good stuff. But we, we go into these games and, and these matchups on a week-in, week-out basis, and it's like I don't really know what we want to do. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm, not, I'm not 100% sure on that, and, and that can cause some frustration. Now, you mentioned, Alex, what's upcoming, the Georgia Bulldogs. Have you had a chance to watch Georgia at all this season by chance? I watched I watched a little bit of their game against Oregon. Uh, I didn't see anything against Samford. Um, I like I, I kind of throw the I'm going to throw the Oregon game out because like the pieces I saw, it didn't even look like Oregon was trying to tackle anybody. And like we all know what Bo Nix's record is against Georgia, so I mean that was a recipe for disaster to begin with. I I mean Samford. I mean. I don't know. I, I assume they weren't. They, I assume they went into that game just like get up and try not to get anybody hurt. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you. We'll... I'll give you a fun tidbit, Alex. In that game, I actually heard that uh, they had a running clock in the fourth quarter. Kirby and the Sanford head coach met into the third quarter, had a running clock, which I thought was like a pee wee football thing. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, 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 mean, I assume as long as the check still cleared for Sanford, they didn't care. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, for sure. For sure. Um, yes, they had a running clock, you know, Alex, cause I, I sit here and I'm like, we could sit here and try to talk, you know, this key matchup and that key. I'll ask you this first, Stetson Bennett. Um, how do you feel about his game? I, I, I feel like he's underrated. I, I think that I'm not saying he's the best quarterback in the SEC or anything, but I think he's very, I mean, you look, dude, if you thought Georgia was scary last year, we're talking about a guy now on Stetson Bennett. And granted, take the opponent into consideration, whatever. I don't really care. First two games, he's thrown for 300-plus. Georgia might be better than they were last year, Alex. And there's a reason I picked him to go undefeated this season. Your thoughts on Bennett as the quarterback in Athens? I mean, I think he's done an outstanding job, for sure. Um, you know, but like, my big my big question with Georgia, and I think which which – 
more or less kind of worked into my, you know, season prediction for us was like, given what they lost on defense, you know, that's going to just put more pressure on the offense to score points. And I, you know, watch it last year, you know, Stetson didn't have to do, I mean, he, he played great. I'm not saying that, but he just, he wasn't, he wasn't the key cog in making that engine run. And so if you kind of reverse that pressure on him and now you are the key cog, like how does he respond to that? He's obviously responded incredibly well through two weeks of the season. Um, and so, I mean, that's, that's, you know, full credit and praise to him on that. I'm just curious to see how that plays out over the next nine weeks. Um, so, so we'll see, but I mean, I think he's done a tremendous job thus far yeah. and hopefully we can put up a little more fight than his previous two opponents have. Alex, I have to ask, man, how you feeling about your SEC East uh, prediction in the preseason? I don't love it. I I woefully undersold. God, I just I really thought the line was going to like at least be marginally better than it was. Missed on that one a little bit. That being said, like a lot of the opponents that may have like caused concern later in the season, I don't really feel as concerned about, right. um, yeah. you know, Florida came back to earth pretty hard. Tennessee probably should have lost that football game. If Keaton Slovis doesn't get hurt in the first half. Um, I mean, Kentucky did beat Florida, but I mean, Kentucky didn't look like anything to write home about, you know, right. Texas A&M got bullied by Appalachian state. Like, I think those opportunities are sitting there on the back end. I thought Georgia was going to regress more than they did, and that doesn't look as as good of a call at this point. But, hey, you know what? Yeah, We'll see what happens Saturday. And, and to your point, you know what? Maybe <clears throat> maybe Oregon's just that terrible, and then Sanford, Sanford. Um, I, I know I asked you this a little bit earlier, but it sounds like, you know, when you're – I'm not envious of the position – that Marcus Satterfield and Shane Beamer are in watching film, trying to figure out how to attack this Georgia defense and just attack this Georgia football team, but especially you know, for the Gamecocks on the offensive side. It sounds like, and I would agree with you, use the pass to open up the run, spread out Georgia. I, I just don't see a scenario in which, listen, is the offensive line, is the offense a whole, are they going to get better as this season progresses? Well, I'd certainly hope so. But, Alex, I find it really hard to believe this is the week that you're going to line up and run it down somebody's throat, right? Like, I mean, I mean no. I, this is not the opponent that is like, oh, well, now it's going to click running the ball, stopping the run. So, I would imagine you're in the same camp as well. Spread Georgia out. You're going to have to throw the football, get creative and run game, but you're probably going to have to lean uh, lean on the pass in this one. I, yeah, I would say so. And I think it, I think it more speaks to just play to where your advantage is, right? And so, if, like, if your advantage is your pass catchers and spreading people out, if you can use real quick hitters to just move yourself down the field and then use some motions, you know, definitely, like, if, if Marcus is watching or listening, please get Jaheim Bell involved in the passing game because that presents a matchup problem for most teams in the country. Um, use that stuff to your advantage. Use a, you know, a six foot six Stogner, use a Jaheim Bell, like use those quick hitters to Antoine Wells and Josh Van, like, and, and even Jalen Brooks, like use that to your advantage where you've got a quarterback that can execute those types of throws and use that to your advantage to work your way down the field instead of, you know, trying to establish that ground game. I'm not saying don't attempt to do it, but don't just come out with that. Like, you got to have something scripted that's going to, like, keep Georgia off balance where it keeps them 
out of bringing extra pressure where you can just focus, you know, that front line. If you can keep that five on five or four on five, like that's where you're going to gain that advantage because of who you've got standing back in the pocket. Yeah. And I do agree with you, Alex, that, uh, you know, you think about a game where the tight ends are such a big part of this game, right? You look at Georgia, Rock Bowers, Eric Gilbert, they, they, Leonard they got some dudes. They, they've got some dudes at tight end. We should we need to use ours. We got good ones too. Jaheim Bell stock. I think I think like you said should be a huge part of the game plan. And uh, on the flip side, defensively, in my opinion, Alex, what's funny is I'm I'm saying this for literally the third straight week and hasn't worked out very well, I guess. But I think you got to sell out to stop the run, man. I, I mean, if Georgia, like here, here's the thing again, Georgia State ran for 200, Arkansas ran for 295. Like if Georgia runs for 200 plus. You just don't have a chance. You, you just don't have a shot. That that's the bottom line. I don't. I'd venture to say, Alex, you won't win a game this year where you allow the opponent to run for two hundred or more yards because you're not playing a service academy where they're going to run for two hundred fifty yards and pass for zero, right? Right. So if teams are having that type of success on the ground again, it's just stating the obvious. But you're just not going to have a lot of success if the Gamecocks are going to stay in this football game, not even win it, stay in this football game. We got to see an improvement. I, I don't know what the key to success is. I mean, you lose Jordan Strawn now and Mokaba. Things only get tougher for you on that side. Um, y- your thoughts on what the defensive game plan should be? I mean, again, it's sort of pick your poison with the Georgia offense, but I think you've got to commit to stopping the run first. I I would completely echo that sentiment and where I would borderline sell out to stop the run on every play. Like you've got camps camps misplaying right. According to Shane Beamer, his injury was not serious and he should be good to go. I would imagine he'll be good to go, yes. Okay. So, like, if that's the strength of your defense, like, this is probably an unpopular opinion, but I would leave those guys out on an island. And I would sell out to stop the run everywhere else. Like, if you, if you what, if I was drawing it up, what I would do is I'd have my best cover corners on their outside in, like, press man and make them beat me over the top where I have a safety or two safeties sitting back there or just bringing that safety up to cover the tight end. And that's what I would do if I was going to try to scheme something up just to make them as one dimensional as possible and see like if Stetson Bennett can beat you. I wouldn't let the ground game beat me. I would make Stetson Bennett beat me. No, for sure. I mean, again, I, like I just said, I, I would do the exact same thing. Attack them in that way. Make Stetson earn it. I, I can live with that. I, I just can't live. It's demoralizing watching a football team uh, run it down your throat. Finally, yes. Alex, before I get so you out of here. If our linebackers are five yards off the ball every single play, it's going to be a very long day. That's, that's tough, yeah. Um, Alex, before I get you out of here, man, again, the, the spread open. I know we keep up with the gambling side. The spread open, Georgia as a 26-point favorite. And even I was like, damn. Like, that, that just it stung. It has since come down to 24 and a half, which is the same exact spread that it was in 2019 when the Gamecocks went into Athens and did the unthinkable. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'll ask you, hey, it's college football. Crazier things, I guess, have happened. Uh, Recipe to what would be a monumental upset on Saturday. Uh, So if we can can throw for 300 yards – and sell out, stop the run, and keep them around the 150 mark, create two turnovers, I think that you can win. Absolutely. 
Yeah, I, I think it's going to have to be a similar recipe to success as you saw in 19. You need Stetson Bennett <clears throat> not have his best day, throw a couple picks, maybe you get a pick six. I think Beamer Ball needs to play a big, big part in this football game, man. I, I don't know. Some fakes, a block punt, a block kick. Like, that has to happen. I, I think I think a defensive and or special teams touchdown has to happen to win this football game. Like, you have to lean on that. Um and I've said this before, Alex, I, you know, for what it's worth, I think if Georgia, and this goes, by the way, for every football team out there, if Georgia plays their A game, it doesn't matter what South kind of does. And again, that goes to everybody Georgia plays except for Alabama. I think that's the only team that can beat Georgia when they play their best game. Alabama's best game can beat Georgia's best game. I don't know that anybody else's best game beats Georgia's best game. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah. um, certainly, again, you got your fingers crossed, you hope, but uh, – well, I mean, listen, ears, my friend. listen, like, App State did it, Marshall did it, Texas should have beaten Alabama. Like, these things can happen early in the season in those early kick games. So, it's the same recipe that was set up three years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know what, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not saying take, take the Cox money line. Plus 24 and a half seems pretty good, though. <laughs> I don't know. I think I heard you say take Cox money loan. I don't know. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not giving out take no, Cox money I'm, line. Uh, by the way, if you want to take the game Cox money line, it's plus thirteen oh nine hundred to win one thousand three hundred and nine dollars. Cox money line. It's almost worth throwing a hundred on it. I mean, honestly, I wonder what line was. I wonder what the money line was in nineteen. I bet it was probably similar. Yeah. I, I would have to imagine so. I'd have to imagine so. Um, Alex, either way, man, we'll see what happens. Should be a lot of fun. Anytime the Gamecocks and Bulldogs get on the field, you, you just never know. It, it, it seems like the series, man, it's, it's a lot of unpredictable things do take place. And uh, I think a lot of good either way, though, and I'll leave you with this. I, I think a lot of good either way, you know, even if you don't beat the Dogs, I think, you, you know, it's a huge recruiting weekend. You make this a fourth quarter game. I think we can all live with, hey, tip your cap. Georgia's just really freaking good and they beat you. Uh, but, but as we all agreed in the preseason, it's about how you win and lose. And so taking the dogs down to the wire, maybe it's a one-score game starting the fourth quarter. No moral victories, but that would show progress in my opinion. Well, yeah, and that's, that's all you're really looking for. I mean, is if, you can pro- if you can put yourself in it. I mean, look, at the end of the third quarter, this past weekend, we were in a position to win. Like, all you can ask is to put yourself in that position and see what happens. And if we can do that, I think that's a success. Absolutely. He's Alex McGrath. Alex, I appreciate it as always, man. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. And uh, we'll definitely do it again this same time next week. Sounds good, my friend. Yeah, man. Take care. Good stuff. Alex McGrath. Guys, I know Alex was having a little bit of issues with his sound. I apologize, man. We keep it rocking. We keep it rolling. Hey, we're going to jump into our first break. On the day, but I want to continue to hear from you more of your questions, comments, calls, and more on the other side. You're tuned in to the Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back. Taking your questions, comments, calls, 843-790-3377. We appreciate our good friend Alex McGrath joining the show as he does each and every single Tuesday. Guys, I do apologize. I was hearing Alex's audio stuff was as well. I don't know what. What was going on? He's got a pet pig under the desk. I don't know exactly what it is. Uh, DGD, what's up, man? Um, was actually able to go on last night and go on a podcast. Nothing finer 
podcast, which is a Georgia show. Talk to them about the upcoming game this weekend. Uh, podcast for us will drop tomorrow. Um, I will give you guys my best bet uh, going into the weekend. I don't know which way I'm leaning yet. I'll be honest with you, because you look at the spread right now. It's 24 and a half uh, over under set at 52, which I think are both really, really good numbers. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I think a lot of folks are hammering that under, which feels like a sucker bet, to be honest with you. But, um, you know, either way. Um, again, guys, thank you all so much for the love and support of the merchandise side of the business. In case you missed it, we actually surpassed our 2021 year-to-date merchandise sales today. Uh, surpassed that, which is a big deal because we did about 75% of our sales last year uh, during football season. So, um, pretty, pretty, pretty big deal. And uh, it's, it's a blessing, man, to be able to, I mean, the merchandise side of the business is, is one of my favorites, to be able to produce value and push out value through merchandise. Uh, it's a blast, man. It's truly a blast to be able to partner up with USC athletes and put money back in their pocket as well through merch. NIL allows us to do that. Uh, it's a blessing. And then put that money back into the business. Uh, you know, it, it's awesome. It's awesome. But again, the overall, the value that we're able to create for Carolina fans, giving you guys a merchandise alternate, if you will, um, it, it, it's incredible. So again, we'd love to hear your questions, comments, calls, 843-790-3377. That is 843-790-3377. Um, let's see. We do have a question here in the TVC Questions channel. Ryan Crisp says, do you think even after the loss to Arkansas and the bad, bad odds of a W against Georgia, we'll get a good to impress prospects? Yes. I think Gamecock fans show up and show out. Uh, Robbie, what's going on, my friend? How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm doing well, my friend. Appreciate you asking. What's going on? I just wanted to say that I completely agree with Alex, okay? We're going to have to make Stetson Bennett beat us. Because if Georgia runs the football and they run it consistently – Ain't no bones about it. They'll beat our they'll beat our butt quicker than you can say. Holy crap! So I, I if if it was me, I would uh, line up man to man on the receivers and and force. I don't know how good Stetson Bennett is at running, but force him to get uncomfortable in the pocket. And he's a, and he's still a human being. Yes, he's a national champion, but if you force him to do something that he ain't comfortable with, which is probably past more than he's used to, And like you said, get a couple of turnovers, block a punt or two, or steal like steal a possession, and capitalize off of it, and make this a fourth quarter game. I think we can somehow make it close, but I just don't think we have the horses on the offensive side of the ball right now to keep up with 
Georgia if they try to turn this into a track meet. Yeah, I mean, it, it comes down to in this football game, people people get so tired of hearing it, but it's just true. Uh, stopping the run. Uh, I mean, it's and, and unfortunately, going into this football game, there's nothing that tells you that's going to be the case. Um, listen, Georgia's going to run the football successfully right. Saturday. That, 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 that's yes, I, I will are. I will if I'm wrong, I will happily eat crow on the daily crow. Right, I, I'll happily <laughs> do so. But Georgia State ran for 200. Arkansas ran for mm-hmm. 295. I don't know what yep. spin zone of a world you have to live in to think that we are just going to line up. Now, if Georgia, what you have to bank on, look look at 2019. That's your recipe for success mm-hmm. to even keep the game close. Because you know what's crazy about that game? Georgia played terribly. I, I mean, Jake Fromm, for whatever reason, throws three interceptions, right? Izzy McQuamu has a field a day. One of them's a pick six, right? They miss field goals. Georgia played poor football. And we had to go to overtime to beat them, yeah. you know. So, but but you right. need Georgia to help you. You, you need Georgia to play your. The, you need Georgia to play their C minus game, and you need to play your A plus game and, to yeah. even have a chance. Right. That's just the reality of it. I would even say A plus plus. Okay, like A double plus. You got to play plumb near freaking right. fantastic. In right. order for you, to and, and listen, cra- crazy, a crazy things have happened, but uh, no, listen to, to, to your point. To your point, right. I mean, yeah, it all starts with with setting some sort of tone up front. I, I don't know what they do. I, I don't know how they attack Georgia. You, you, you got to slow down the run game. I, it's so much easier said than done, but you have to slow down the run game. Right. Exactly. And. I just think I think that we are going to, and like you said before before Alex got on here, we gotta do what Appalachian State did to Texas A and M, okay? Hang on to the ball whenever we're on offense. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's why App State went into Texas A and M and beat Georgia, because the time of possession was absolutely ridiculously op- lopsided, okay? But obviously we're going to probably have to throw a crap ton in order for us to have a chance, okay? Because we can't run block to save our dang lives. We cannot run the ball, stop the run. I mean, and it's just – Here's the problem. Here's what you're seeing, Robbie. We knew coming into this season that the mm-hmm. O-line right. and the D-line line of scrimmage, it was a concern. That, that, that is a fact. We mm-hmm. knew that. Even the most optimistic a Gamecock right. fan knew mm-hmm. that that was an area of concern. And I think what so many were trying to, to make the point of in the preseason about this schedule is this. When you get into SEC play, there is nowhere to hide. Your deficiencies will be exposed. That's what you're seeing right now. And that's what you'll see more of on Saturday. Because Georgia and Arkansas, both elite, elite up front on both sides. And you're not. That doesn't mean you still can't go win seven games this year. That doesn't mean you can't go Mm -hmm. win a bowl game. 
That doesn't mean you can't have a successful year two because it is year two, man. It's still so early in Shane Beamer's tenure. But there's just nowhere to hide in SEC play. If, if you've got a problem area, it doesn't have to be line of scrimmage. It could be quarterback play. Quarterback play is a great example. You mm-hmm. will get exposed. Right. At some point, you will get exposed. Yeah. You can't hide from it. So, you know, I, I just – that's what you saw on Saturday. And uh, there were positives to take away from Arkansas for sure. No moral victories. But that's kind of what you're seeing, right, is, is those issues become mm-hmm. glaring because of the, the competition you are playing. And the more – and the longer this season goes on, the more difficult the opponent's going to be. I'm not – and, I'm and, and yeah, we're playing Georgia, right? And, and I, we're, we got a we got a we got A and M, uh, Florida. I think honestly, from what I saw against Kentucky, I think Florida is beautiful. But the question is, are we going to be cooking on all cylinders by the time we get this? By the time we get to Florida, and if we and and we're already almost a full three weeks in, and our offense looks like we couldn't even run on a high school team for God's sake or do anything against the high school team. We can't pass. We can't really pass the ball. Rattler was moving out of the pocket early again because Arkansas knew that passing pass blocking was a, was a deficient, a deficiency. And they were bringing, they were bringing their linebackers and safeties like it was a freaking block party up in Arkansas. Yeah, and, and I, and I want to make this point too, Robbie, because, you know, listen, I'm becoming a, a bit of a veteran in the game. I, I understand how things work. I understand that social media, the madness, the chaos, people, people are literally so on edge that, listen, my words move mountains. I say one thing, and if it's not phrased exactly right how people want to hear it, well, all hell breaks loose. And that is a blessing because that means what we say, it matters. But you know what's funny is that yeah. you would if think – If you're not pissing somebody off, you ain't doing your job right. Robbie, let me finish. Let me finish. You would think after Arkansas, I had picked this team to go over the rest of the year. We're just terrible. Let's throw mm-hmm. in the towel. I still think this is a team that can win seven games. God forbid maybe eight. Like, the season's not over. This first three-game stretch doesn't define us. There will be better matchups that come along. But right now, in the meantime – we got to do the absolute best we can. That's just the bottom line, right? Georgia's better than us. That's not a hot take. They're a 24-and-a-half-point favorite. Georgia is the number one team in the country. Mm-hmm. They're better than us. I, I look at Kentucky. I think we could still win that game. I look at Florida. We think we could still win that game. Vandy, Mizzou, <clears throat> picked us to win. Tennessee will be tough, but it's home. And at that point in the season, who knows where you're at. Season's not lost, man. We're one and one We're fine. But this weekend certainly will be, will be a challenge, no doubt. Um, but it's just funny because some of the social media banter, you would really think that I just, God, I think all of our players are terrible and this roster's terrible and Beamer's terrible. And I got people telling me that I, I right. want a certain coach fired and people are just making shit up as we go along. You know what I mean? But you know what? It is what it is. I'm built for it. I've done this year after year after year. Right. I was the fire must champ guy. Now I'm the Beamer ball guy. But at the bottom line, at the end of the day is we're always here. And Gamecocks football will be here. We'll be fine. We're going to start one Listen. and two. It's okay. I picked us to start one and two. Let's mm-hmm. see if we can just at least pull some positives out of this game on Saturday. And honestly, listen, 
if you ain't got haters, you're not doing your job right anyway. Right? Because if they think all you're all you're doing is, is if they think all oh, you should be pumping sunshine and rainbows up there, keep their all all week long. That's not how it works. And like I have told you several times, and I'll tell you again, that's one reason I love your show is that you freaking don't beat around the bush, you don't sugarcoat it, and you tell it like it is. You there? Yeah, I'm here, Robbie. I'm just letting you go. And I, pr- I appreciate it, man. I, pr- I appreciate the. Uh, that, that, that's one no, of the listen, I, I appreciate I the feedback. And I, listen, I, I don't do what I do to create enemies. But uh, li- like I said before, I, I will not scratch my head unless it itches. I will not dance unless I hear music. And I will not be intimidated. And I'm going to say what I say and I'm going to keep it moving. And, you know, a lot of my takes, I'd say 98% of them are going to hit. 2% won't. I'll take those odds. I, I, I will take that, those numbers and uh, we'll keep it moving because. Again, folks, folks will only highlight the negative. They will not highlight the overwhelmingly positive. I know this by now, man. Again, I'm a veteran in the game. It's all good. I'm built to take this. Right. I'm built to take it, man. Real, real quick before it. I get out of here, happy birthday to my little, my youngest brother who's a Clemson fan, okay? He's a Clemson fan, but today's his birthday, so happy birthday to him, okay? And... Like I said yesterday, we gotta turn. We gotta muck this. We gotta muck the game up Saturday afternoon. We gotta somehow force Georgia to play our style of football. And if we can do that for four quarters, we will be in it. But like you've said before, and like I like I like I'll say now, it's easier said than done. But you gotta go out there and do it and prove it. Indeed, yeah. I mean, listen. Give Georgia hell for four quarters. You're most likely not going to win, exactly. but to hell with it, man. Make them earn it. Make them earn it. Again, it's about how yeah. you make win have, and lose. Earn the, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Right. How, you, how you win and lose. How right. you win and lose. That's what it comes down to. Right. Yep. All right, man. I'm going to get off of here. I will most likely at the earliest in my prediction tomorrow, at the latest Thursday. I'm okay. still thinking on it. I love it. I love it. All I'm, right, yep. buddy. You have a great rest of your day and a great rest of your week. Robbie, you as well, man. I appreciate that. Look forward to hearing from you soon. Yep. Yep. Take care. Uh, guys, we're not going to take another break. We're going to continue on. Shane Beamer going to speak at 1.30. I'll go until then. we got a text here. What's your t- – Must champ hackers. What's your take on Beamer's post-game presser response to the question about both Sanders and how they played? Okay. And I posted this video actually this morning. Pittman was asked at 1455 about Spencer Rattler's postgame press, and he took the question, states he wasn't Beamer, but that he thought he would do well in the SEC and moved on to the next question. Beamer seemed frustrated by his question and provided a gesture at the reporter. I noticed him doing this during losses after postgame pressures last year and chalked it up to year one as a head coach with a ton of pressure to succeed. Uh, but this year, I think he needs to improve this in the postgame pressers as those are part of his job and role as the head coach as well. Thanks, Tyler, with the question. Boy, Tyler, now you're trying to piss people off. So you, you asked the question about Shane Beamer and his reaction to the question. And the clip was funny. That, that's why I posted it because, listen, we're all behind Beamer. Um, we're all behind Beamer. Um, 
wow, we some very strange comments coming through. <laughs> Anyways, um, we're all behind me. But the question Tyler has, his response to that question, and let me say this. Obviously, again, I'm behind Beamer 110% because I wouldn't put his name on merchandise if, uh, you know, if I didn't feel that way as well. Shane Beamer is going to evolve and grow and get better as a coach. And he will learn. I, I, Shane Beamer will learn because everything is documented, right? I didn't go out of my way to post the video of Shane Beamer. SEC podcast already did it. It had 80,000 views. I did nothing, Right? But Shane Beamer will learn. He will grow. He will evolve. He will mature as a head coach. He will get better, right? Everything he does will get better. Everything he does will evolve, right? He will evaluate himself and say, you know what? And I understand, you're in the heat of battle, man. You're in the heat of battle, and there's just some questions. I know they're stupid. I know they're tough to answer. You got to keep the composure, right? You got to keep the composure. So he'll learn from it, you know, and again, I'm not, I'm not going at Shane Beamer at all. I mean, I, I think, I don't think it's that big of a deal, you know, the, and Cody Gaskins asked in the TDC question channel, uh, Cody, I posted the clip, go back and watch it. He was just asked about Rocket Sanders and Drew Sanders, all the Sanders that played and, you know, Shane Beamer pointed out, you know, I, I wasn't evaluating their linebacker play during the game. Um, again, I, I think coach was frustrated, man. I, it's, it's, you know, you lose the way they did, um, it was a tough ball game. I mean, he hates to lose. We hate to lose. You're immediately after you get off the field of battle. But you, you got to be able to go in there and put in a stone-cold face and, and Call keep from Hunter. Here we go. Hunter, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, no, not too bad. Not too much. Uh, but, yeah, so I actually uh, got something for you. So, uh, so for the Arkansas game, um, I know I've, I've seen a few uh, penalties that uh, I guess they missed or something like that. I've seen where – so one guy, he uh, laid out a fourth and one, but he gave him the first down. And I don't know if you've seen that, but his hand was right there before the, you know, obviously the first down marker. And uh, one, they missed a, another face mask, and that was just all bullshit. And, you know, Spencer actually had an open field. He should have ran. Or actually, no, he seen there was this one guy that he, uh, there, he was wide open. He was just waiting for him to throw it. And he just ran for it, which was stupid. So I want to get your opinions on it. Yeah, re, re, sorry, I, I kind of spaced out there. Re, rephrase that again, my guy, on the on the game. On, yeah, uh, yeah, sorry, boy. Yeah, no, you're good. You're good. Uh, yeah. So, uh, the, all right. So the opponent was running for the first down, right. and he got uh, he actually got inches away from the first down. So basically, the ref it was supposed to be fourth and one, but the ref actually uh, gave him a first down, and it was you can plainly see the you can plainly see it. You can look look back on the video and uh they, they missed the face mask uh, yeah. penalty and i don't know why they didn't call for that right and um spencer was running for the first down when there was a guy wide open where he could have just threw the ball to him i'm like what are you what is he doing so i just don't want to get your opinion yeah i mean that. listen the referees are going to miss some calls it's unfortunate but they are <laughs> um they're not yeah. perfect you know sec refs you know sometimes you got to win in spite of them and uh you know to, to spencer rattler I, I thought he played a fine game. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, sure. I, you know, I, you know he, he missed some for sure. I mean, the deep passes, right? He missed the deep shots early, and those could have changed the ball game. Yeah. And, you know, when, when you're – hey, when you're going on the road in the SEC and you're an underdog and you know the matchup doesn't favor you, and when you get those opportunities, you just have to take advantage of them. Because, number one, you're not going to get many of them. And, number two, 
you know, Arkansas is going to take advantage of theirs, right? So you got to be able to hit those. And, and certainly I think that's probably something that's been a point of emphasis for him and something I'm sure they are, uh, they're locked in on, you know, in practice this week. The same will be said when you play Georgia. You know what I mean? There might be a chance there. There might be a shot early on. You have right, to hit right. it. You have to hit it. Um, yeah, especially you know, with Georgia, yeah. Yeah, you're not going to get many of those chances, many of those opportunities. Um, so you, you got to hit those, and uh, we'll, we'll see if they can. Man, you have no idea. I was uh, me, me and my uh, sister's husband were watching the game uh, at his house, and – Man, he was talking so much shit on it, and then on the Carolinas, like, oh, Switcher's trash and all this other crap. Oh my God, you have no idea. I can't wait to beat Tennessee this year because he's a Tennessee fan and a Clemson fan. So, yeah, no, dude, I, I think anybody who's who's coming down on Spencer Rattler is just just clueless. I, I think they're clueless. So, um, listen, I'm not saying he's playing perfectly. You know, I was asked about this last night. Do you feel like Spencer Rattler has met the preseason hype that was you know yeah. appointed to him? You know, I guess it depends on what your level of hype was. I, I don't think he's played poor football. I don't think he's played great. See, my level of hype about Spencer, I thought he was going to be another Bryce Young. I don't know why I thought that, but I thought he was. Well, my friend, Bryce Young has got five stars all around him. Right, that, right. That, That's the thing. You know what I mean? That, like, that's – to some, and, and, hey, again, you, you put it all on seven. I think for what he's got around him, he has not played poor football. I'm excited to see – because, again, these type of games are huge for Rattler on a personal level. He's trying to get drafted. These games are huge for him, right? They're huge. So, oh, yeah. I'm yeah. excited to see how he plays on Saturday. I, I, I don't think he's played at a Heisman level, but he doesn't have Heisman-level players around him either. So, And I'm not trying to blame the guys or put them down. I just – I know the quarterback's going to get too much of the credit, too much of the blame. I, right now, have no issue with how he's played. I have no issue, but because the problem was this Saturday, the defense was so bad. He had to be perfect. Oh, yeah. He had to be perfect. And so when you're not perfect and you have to be, well, of course you're going to get nitpicked, but the guy threw for 376. Yeah, that's that's just the one thing they need to stop the run. I mean, that's, that's number one main course that they need to practice on is stopping the run. And it seems like the same old, same old, like you said on one of your videos, it's, I mean, it's the same, yeah. same crap. And, and, I, and I don't, year. Yeah, and I, I don't blame Gamecock fans for being frustrated over the fact that we can't stop the run because it's you do feel like we've got good players up there. So so what is it? I mean, I know yeah. linebacker's still not where it needs to be, but, man, it, it just – I mean, I, I really thought we would take a step forward and run – and we still might, right, when the matchups become a little bit more favorable. Right, but right. Damn, dude, it, it has been tough to watch through the first two weeks. Yeah, you have no idea, especially the first, second quarter when the 21-3, to three, I was, I, I'd turn off the TV until – uh, mm -hmm. my sister's husband invited me over and I was like, screw it, why not? And then, yeah, like, a couple scores going up and I was like, shit, we might have a chance. And, you know, they're, they're just clowning us on the run game. Like, they knew that we sucked at stopping the run, so. Yeah. Dude, for sure. Yeah, they were, they were just clowning us. Yeah. Yes, they were, my friend. Yes, they were. And now we have an even bigger challenge against Georgia. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate it. I'll let you go. That's all I need to say. Hey, Hunter, I appreciate the call, my friend. Always a pleasure chatting with you. Um, I see in the comments – where is it? Let's see. Um, Where did this comment go? Where did it go? Where did it go? Where did it go? Lady Bree, what, hey, what is uh, – what's your number, Lady Bree? I, I, I made a mistake. I, I thought Lady Bree was, was calling in to troll one day, 
and Lady Bree, I think, just wanted to talk. So, Lady Bree, what's your what's your? I guess you probably don't want to get publicly, but I, I'd love to unblock it if possible. There we go. What's up, man? How are you? Hey, Chris, how's it going, man? I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Appreciate you asking. What's up? Awesome. Oh, no, man, I'm just at work cruising through Gatlinburg, Tennessee. At the moment, I've been uh, listening to your show and everything. Um, I called in a couple weeks ago, um, but I do have this comment, more of a comment than a question, really, because um, I wanted to get your take on it. I actually just got off the phone with my father. We were talking about it earlier. but um, And I know we're looking ahead to Georgia and everything, and I'm not trying to look back on the last two weeks. But I right. do want to say this, right? It doesn't make sense to me. And tell me if I'm wrong, okay? Um, why is Marcus Satterfield? And the thing is, last year, I'm going to say this. I was giving him the benefit of the doubt last year. And I still am. I know it's early. Mm -hmm. But it seems like, especially against Georgia State, right? Arkansas, they kept showing four down linemen, five in the box, sometimes six. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, you know, we didn't have much success running against Georgia because for some reason, Georgia State, for some reason, he keeps running the ball when there's seven, six to seven people in the box. Right. And it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, and against Arkansas, they kept showing four down linemen, one linebacker, five in the box, and Juju right there in the backfield. And I'm sitting here thinking, give the ball to Juju. And then it's sitting like on a, on a first and 10 trying to pick up five, six yards, and he'll just – you know, he just throws the ball, which mm -hmm. I, I get attacking their secondary because I know they have some, um, some weak links back there and everything, but it just doesn't make any sense to me. Can you make sense of it for me? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we, we did abandon the run early. Um, listen, when, when you're not scoring enough to win, the OC is going to get a lot of the, a lot of the blame, of course, because he's the guy that's, that's behind the controls, if you will. So I, I'd definitely like to see more of Juju and Marshawn used. I, I'd like to see more of a run game established. Um, I think I saw some stat. And I, I don't remember exactly what it said, but – Early on in the game, especially, you know, we, we got into a couple of, you know, down in fives or so, down in manageables, and we're throwing the football. And, and it's just like, I, I know you want to attack the secondary and attack in the passing game, but, you know, I, there's got to be a balance for sure. So, I mean, listen, Shane Beamer made the point in the post game. They wanted to attack in the passing game. That's what they did. Obviously, that's, but I mean, 13 total carries for running backs. You know what I mean? That, that's, that's tough. That's tough. That's kind of tough to live with. Crazy. Um, I, I definitely think guys like Juju, like Juju McDowell need to get the football more. I, I think uh, Marshawn needs to continue to touch it. I mean, I, I like what I'm seeing from Marshawn. I think he's healthy. Um, so, but absolutely, you know. I felt so bad when he when he fumbled that ball, man. It's like damn, like we were right there to make a. You know, we were in it. Like like uh, yeah. um, like you said earlier, you know, we were in it right there in the third. You know, poor Marshawn fumbling that ball. And a lot of people, you know, you can't give him too much because, I mean, he scored on the ground on a counter play, you know, and he, he caught a screen pass for a huge, huge game. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I just I felt horrible for him. Like, you could just see it, you know, as soon as that oh, ball I mean, popped out and he knew he couldn't get it, you could just see it. I mean, dude, he just, yeah, I mean, I, listen, kid trying to make a play and, you know, it doesn't happen and, uh, you know, you hate it. You, you hate it for him, but it's just part of the game, man, trying to make a play and you got to protect the football. And he knows that, obviously, but, uh, yeah, tough. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I don't, I don't, I don't blame him at all. I mean, it happens, man. It's football, but no, I just wanted to ask that, and you know, yeah, it just didn't make any sense to me. But you know, and missing, you know, Jordan Strong, and you know, on that, on that edge. I mean, you know, Jordan Birch, and he had a good game, you know, last week, it much yeah. better than yeah. you know he's been lately. And I really feel like he'll, you know, I feel like he can step up and you know be that playmaker on the D line for the rest of the year. And, mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. I'm really interested to see how they, um, how they turn those guys, you know, around, and you know, next man up kind of thing but um you know i still got faith in our defense and you know i'm not expecting to i mean obviously i mean i hope we win you know just like any game card fan i hope and pray we win you know but mm. 
Yeah, I'm not expecting to win, but hey, I'm expecting, you know, I hope these guys will go in there and fight their tails off. I mean, who knows, man? We might take it down to the fourth. I mean, you never know. Yeah. Give them hell for four quarters, man. That's all we're asking. Listen, if Georgia lines up and beats you, that's fine. They're going to do that to a lot of people this year. Give them hell for four quarters. Let the chips fall where they may. And, you know, let's try to see if we can't have some positives to pull from this ballgame. Exactly, man. I'm looking forward to it. Anyway, thank you for answering my call, and uh, have a good day, man. Yeah, man. Appreciate you, man. Take care. Great stuff there. 843-790-3377. Guys, I'll say this. I welcome um, – all you guys to call in, 843-790-3377. Here on this Tuesday, September the 13th, 2022. Again, we are awaiting Shane Beamer's presser, which is upcoming uh, at 1.30. Shane Beamer will speak to the media at 1.30. Um, so looking forward to what he has to say, hearing what he has to say ahead of this weekend's game against the Dogs. So should be a lot of fun there. Uh, let's see. Going through your questions. Greg Bedinger, appreciate the love in the Big Cock Club Discord, my friend. Um, yeah, appreciate the love. Coach Four, we get no practice stopping the run because we can't run the ball ourselves. Toby says 2019 repeat, maybe to hell with Georgia. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. And, uh, you know, guys, listen, I, I know it's frustrating. It's, it's frustrating early. It's so early in the season, though. I mean, again, I get being frustrated, but what's so weird is like, what's so weird? I'm seeing the frustration on social media. Like, you would really think we're going to go 2-10 and 10 this year. Like, I'm fine. Sitting here on this Tuesday, what happened against Arkansas is basically what I predicted. It's, it's what I thought would happen. Arkansas, much more physical football team. I don't think it's an indictment on your season. You can tell. You can tell a lot of people went into it that way, though. You can tell a lot of people put all their stock in that Arkansas game, but I'm here to tell you the season's not over. This football team, again, in my opinion, can still win seven or eight games. It's there. It's there. But we knew in this first three-game set, what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? And we knew they would get exposed. Now, to how to the degree they've been exposed, I think that's what concerns us. But we will have much more favorable matchups down the road, in my opinion. So I, I, I'm still, you know, I'm still high on this football team. I'm still high on Shane Beamer that we can hit that seven-win mark. God forbid, maybe eight, whether it's with a bowl win or without. And if you do that, that's a successful year. You know, so the season's not over. The sky's not falling. You know, I I, I don't just think we're terrible and the, and the whole football team, all the players suck. No, we got some good players. We got some damn good coaches, and I think we still got a quality football team and you know, we've had a tough start of the year with the schedule. I mean, it just when you get to SEC play, like I mentioned earlier, your deficiencies are going to get exposed, man. Like the, these, this schedule did not set up to get off to a hot start when you're taking on teams like Arkansas on the road and the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs, the defending national champions. But it's a long way to go. And I think it'll get better. I, I, I really do. I really, really do. Now, again, I'm not here to pump sunshine up your ass, as you all know, right? We got real problems and issues and deficiencies we got to fix. I'm just saying that I think we will have more favorable matchups to come. That's, that's all I'm saying. There will be more favorable matchups, right, where it will not be such a challenge for us. So, um, you know, it, it's looking like we're probably going to start three and two, um, which the season will sort of hit, like I told you guys in the preseason. 
the greatest inflection point. I, I stand by that. I stand by that. Um, so, Bleak Mode says, when will winning seven games be unacceptable? <sighs> well, Bleak Mode, I mean, I, y'all see, y'all ask questions. Y'all ask questions I don't think you want the answer to. I, I, I genuinely don't think you want the answer to the question. Year two of Shane Beamer, year two of Shane Beamer. Seven and five in year two is fine. It's fine. It's not accepting mediocrity. It's understanding where the program is, what Shane Beamer was left with, seeing what's going on in the recruiting trail, and understanding this is a process that happens over time. It's going to take a few years. It's going to take a few years. But they're building. Reinforcements are on the way. Look at the recruiting class. Look at the class they are recruiting on the line of scrimmage. At a, I, I hope we get to a point where winning seven is not good enough. But Shane Beamer took over a program that had won six total games in two seasons. Seven and five was a great year. Six and six last year was a great year. Yes, Coach Ford, help is on the way. Look at the recruiting class. What are you talking about? Yes, help is on the way. Look at the recruiting. Would you, di- would you disagree? Do you think the recruiting class is no good, Coach Ford? Because that's the only argument you could have. I don't know how you could disagree that reinforcements are on the way. I think they are. I am very curious to see what this football team looks like with the guys Shane Beamer has recruited on the line of scrimmage. I'm I'm curious to see what that looks like. Anyway, Shane Beamer upcoming in a couple minutes. Um, guys, again, I, I just I don't I don't reflect some of the the misery that I've seen this week on social media from people. Like I, I'm I I think we're still kind of on pace to have the season I thought we were gonna have, whether it be seven and five, whether it be eight and four. I, I think we're still on pace for that. What happened Saturday against Arkansas was not shocking. Like, I don't know why anyone would be shocked by what happened. So, let's jump to the phone lines real quick. Hunter, what's up, man? You got two minutes. Hey. Hey, yeah, yeah. I was actually going to say one more thing. Um, I, I just want to uh, die. I got left out. Uh, yeah. So, at the end of the four, third, third and fourth quarter, um, the – the guys actually never quit. Like, they never gave up, too. So, I mean, that's one positive thing about the team. So. Indeed. Yeah. They, 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 they did fight till the end. They did fight till the end. Yep. Yep. They never gave up. So, that's the one good thing about them. Yeah. No, that, hey, for sure. So that's all. Speaks to the character of the football team, indeed. Hunter, I appreciate it. Yep. No problem. We did not quit. I mean, that, that's a fact. That's a fact. Um, guys, I, I'm going to go out and say this as well. I think it's okay for us to 
have a bare minimum expectation of you play hard through the end of the game. No matter what the final result is, you know. Um, I understand fans want to find positives, and, and I get it, right? Like, I, I I appreciate the players' efforts. Oh, Beamer's live. My bad. Whoops. Okay, let's jump to this real quick. I, it, he went live early. I'll be darned. He went live early. My bad, guys. Here we go. All right, I'm going to get off here. We're going to share Beamer. Here we go. Jordan Strawn um, and the end of their seasons, two guys that have really worked hard and – and uh, we're having fantastic starts to this season. Uh, Jordan was a captain for us game one. Mo was a captain for us game two. So we got to replace their leadership. Both those guys uh, were fantastic special teams players as well. Uh, Mo was dynamic on kickoff coverage, dynamic on the punt team. Same thing with Jordan on the punt team. So that's a big loss from a special team standpoint as well but uh really just you know hate it for those two kids and uh obviously they're really really down but we uh we're here for them and going to continue to lift them up and, and help them along with chad terrell who went through the same thing a few weeks ago uh also they're still a key part of this team and like i said in that statement they are a uh, their their best football is still in front of them without a doubt uh, more injuries on top of them just an update um you know real simple i think David Spalding, Cam Smith, Corey Rucker, R.J. Roderick, and Boogie Huntley are all questionable this week. So can't say for sure that they're all going to play and can't say for sure that they're not as we sit here today. So we'll see how practice goes uh, the rest of the week. And uh, hopefully we'll have those guys on Saturday. But if not, you know, we've uh, our depth isn't where it needs to be uh, for sure. But we're, uh, we've got really good players on this football team. And, and uh, we're going to take a bunch of really good guys out there on Saturday to play against a really, really, really uh, good Georgia team and a really, really, really well-coached Georgia team as well. Just so impressed watching the video, offense, defense, and special teams. Um, super talented, but super well coached uh, as well. So be a big challenge for us, but our guys are excited. Uh, hope our fans are as well. Uh, I know there was a lot of people that wanted this to be a night game. Frankly, no one cares. It's a noon game. So uh, we set the standard for what Williams-Brice Stadium should be like against Georgia State. So we're not going to all of a sudden be less than that on Saturday at noon because we're disappointed it's not a night game. Got a great opportunity for our fan base to show the entire country on national television what Williams-Brice Stadium and a game day at South Carolina <clears throat> excuse me, is like. And uh, it should be, to me, even better than what it was uh, for for the Georgia State game. So if you need more time to tailgate, need more time to get ready, wake up earlier, all right? So you can start preparing at 6 a.m., 5 a.m., 7 a.m., whatever time the lot's open over there. But we need that place to be absolutely rocking on Saturday at 12 noon. Uh, ESPN's, I think, going to uh, push back the start of the game a few minutes because I think they want to showcase 2001 and what our pregame atmosphere is like. So that'll be a great opportunity from a recruiting standpoint uh, to show people uh, as well and the opponent. This will be the first time that Georgia has played an away, true away game this year as well. And we need to make it really, really difficult and uncomfortable uh, for them when they're out there. Uh, unless, uh, unless somebody on Georgia's current team was here in 2018, they haven't faced a packed Williams-Brice because they were over here last in 2020 during the COVID year. 
So we need to make sure that's an asset for us. Uh, Arkansas was a great environment last Saturday at 11 a.m. Central. So sure as hell we can make a noon start uh, really, really uh, intense and awesome out there on Saturday afternoon, which is what it needs to uh, needs to be as well. And if you follow recruiting at all here at Carolina, you know how important this recruit this weekend is from a recruiting standpoint and the fantastic young men that we're going to have on campus. So we got to do our part as a football team, coaches and players, and we're really working hard to do that. But we need our fan base to uh, to do their part as well on Saturday. And knowing what I know about game cognition, I hope, have no doubt that we will. So with that, take any questions. Shocking. Really? <laughs> hey, Shane, a couple for you. Um, also with injuries, uh, Rush and Joyner, how are they? They're fine. Both practiced today. Both look good today. Um, you know, uh, Rush, I guess, fell on his back a little bit. That's when he got hurt on the same play as Mo and uh, uh, was fine, no issues, practiced Sunday, as a matter of fact. And then same thing with DK. He, I don't know if he's been quite 100% the first two games, David, but he, uh, he looked great out there today and, and uh, excited for him and excited as he continues to get healthier and, and uh, uh, as this season goes on. Also, Austin Stogner, and you had him in Oklahoma too, um, he blocked, laid out the last block on the first two touchdowns yeah. you guys have. How elite of a blocker is he as compared to other guys that you've seen at that position? Yeah, I think he's really good. He, he, he's a tough kid, first and foremost, is what you got to be. It's something that he really worked on uh, at Oklahoma. And the thing that I think helped him too was in high school, he was asked, uh, I remember going to watch when we were recruiting him at Oklahoma, I went and watched one of his practices in Dallas, and he's I remember telling one of some of our coaches after that, after I watched him practice, just how physical he was. I mean, he would put his hand in the ground and, and block defensive ends. Um, he's a high effort, competitive guy. Uh, it's not always easy. People think, you know, when you're a tight end and you're six foot six, 250, that it's easy. But a lot of times it's not because you've got to get leverage on defensive ends and that are moving and things like that. But he's competitive, he's tough, and and um, and works at it as well. It was great to um, great to see that the long pass that he was blocking on downfield, and then the the little counter play we ran to Marshawn for a touchdown when you know he kind of blocked the guy with his back. But it was just great effort for sure. Shane, you talked after the game, obviously, about needing to run the ball a little bit better schematically and personnel wise. What can you guys as coaches do to try to get some more consistency out of that run game? Um. I would say a few things. Um, one, I think we also need to look at when – I think I said this on Sunday night. When we called runs on first and second down in the open field, we averaged close to four or five yards a pop, if I'm not mistaken. Um, now, those stats got skewed because we had a third and one, a fourth and one, a fourth and whatever on the goal line, third and whatever on the goal line where you're not going to have – long runs so um, I feel better about our run game coming out of the game last Saturday against Arkansas one uh, two just continuing I mean every week's different how Arkansas lined up to play us defensively is different than what Georgia State did and it's different than what we expect to see from Georgia this Saturday so every every week is different um, schematically what the teams are playing but we need to be able to you know line up and run our best runs no matter what defense they're lined up in and uh, we're continuing to work to do that. Uh, and, you know, to me, I want to be, uh, you know, when I interviewed for this job, I told Ray Tanner and Chance Miller, like, to me, we want to be able to run the ball. And when I say balanced on offense, 
I want to be an offense that has the ability to run it and the ability to throw it. And I'd be an idiot to sit up here and tell you that we're going to run the ball 60 times a game. we got an NFL quarterback and NFL receivers and NFL tight ends. So every week we're trying to do what gives us the best opportunity to be successful. But to me, we've got to be able to, when we want to run the football, run the ball. Like we got signs in this building about how we win the football games and running the ball and stopping the run is – is one of them. Um, and each week it's different how we do that. But at the end of the day, we've just got to, you know, figure out what we do well and be able to run those no matter what defense they're in and just be efficient with it as well, whether we run it 15 times or whether we run it 55 times, being efficient when we do run the football. And, and sorry, and, and also being able to win those battles. You know, we got, we, 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 uh, want to call runs. Well, when we call runs, as a, the offensive tackle, the offensive guard, the center, the running back, the receivers, the tight ends, you got to win your one-on-one -on -one battles as well. It's easy to say run the ball. Well, we got to um, we got to be great competitors and win those battles as well. Same thing on defense when it comes to stopping the run, which we didn't do last week either. Coaches preach it constantly about focusing on yourself in a game week. You're taking on the number one team in the nation. It's a little bit harder to do, at least from outside noise as well. But also, you have the benefit of college football showing you that anybody can beat anybody last weekend. Are you using that? How, I don't know, beneficial is it to be coming off of that week to kind of help encourage your guys and build that belief? I'd say our guys have a lot of belief you know I don't I told our staff on Sunday I don't want to hear one person talking about anybody can beat anybody on Sunday I don't want to hear one person talking about shocking the world I don't want to hear one person talking about we just got to beat them we don't we just got to be better than them one Saturday we don't have to be better than them all 12 and then as soon as I walk out of my text I got or as soon as I walk out of the staff meeting I got text messages on my phone from family members essentially telling me the same thing so I'm like Jesus you know um but there's great belief in our program. Um, uh, I don't have to, like, rally them where um, uh, to make them believe. They believe. They have confidence. They should. We're a really good SEC football team, and we got really good SEC football players. Um, that a lot of players on this team that Georgia wanted on their team. And there's players on Georgia's team that we wanted on this team as well. So to answer your question, we have belief every single week. I don't have to sit in here and convince these guys that we can win the football game. We've got a bunch of competitive dudes on this football team that can't wait to go compete on Saturday. You mentioned on Sunday night that, that y'all didn't tackle well enough. Um, what, what was y'all's number for, for missed tackles? What number is, is acceptable? And, and is that something y'all had to stress this week, or is that just something that they know? Yeah, way, 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 way too many um, missed tackles last week, which that's disappointing because I think I said it on the teleconference. We'd been a pretty good tackling team in practice and in games as well. Um, really had been. And even going back to games last year, I mean, I can think of one against it was either Clemson or Auburn late. We missed one over there on their sideline. Uh, at, at defensive back and let a explosive run pop out of there over there on their sideline late in the year. But even last year, like missed tackles that really stand out, there weren't a ton. So that was surprising. Um, probably a better question for Clayton tomorrow. I'll let you grill him on that, you know, as far as what he wants from a defensive standpoint. But one's way too many for me. And um, we've, we've, we, we emphasize it. I mean, we tackle in practice on Tuesdays and, and at, in certain periods, and there's not – a lot of teams in the country, I think, that 
that do that. And that's for the speed of the game, and, and that's to make sure we're in good position and, and, and whatnot. We do tackling drills on defense as well. So uh, give Arkansas some credit. It's not easy to get those running backs and that quarterback down. Uh, but at the same time, you know, there were some poor fundamental things in there too where we're coming in there and ducking heads and, and things like that. Hey, Coach, with uh, Sherrod stepping into a starting role this week, you know, what have you seen from him over the past few months, both, you know, mentally and physically recovering from two years of, of these season-ending injuries? Yeah. And, you know, has he been a resource for, you know, Mo and for Jordan as they're kind of going through it now too? Yeah, and your Eagles are one to know. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, I think Sherrod's been great. I mean, you go back to last year, he got hurt in this Georgia game last year and, and – same thing, hurt for him last season over in Athens that night early in the game when he got hurt as well. But he worked hard to come back. That's not easy to do mentally when you're coming back from multiple injuries uh, uh, on, on, on that knee. But uh, he overcame a lot mentally. Proud of him because, you know, he was working his way back. And in the meantime, Mo and Brad continued to elevate their games as well. Uh, so he probably wasn't in the role that exact that he exactly wanted to be early in the season, but just continued to work and got better. It was good to see him. Uh, I should actually say good. I hated to see Mo get hurt, but it was good that now Sharab was able to get out there and run around and play a lot of plays last Saturday, and, and he absolutely uh, will be uh, a resource for those guys. Um, they'll help each other and. And, um, you know, we all will. When I talked to Jordan and, and uh, Mo on the phone late Sunday night uh, after they found out the results of the test, I mean, so we told them we, we all got your back and we're all here to help you. And, but certainly those guys that have been in that position uh, before can, can really help them. Shane, you mentioned a big recruiting week in this weekend for you guys. Just how, number one, how do you feel like you are in recruiting right now with the way the class stands? And, and how big can a performance or an atmosphere or whatever go this weekend for you in this recruiting base yeah no I mean I love um I love where we are right now from a recruiting standpoint with the class of 2023 guys and then where we are with the class of 2024 guys now there's a long time till the 2023 class signs and a long time to the 2024 class signs but I think we're in a great position with a lot of them we've worked really really hard at it going back to the when I first got hired on recruiting these future classes as well and laying the foundation. And um, as you guys know, it is a line of scrimmage league in this conference. And, and our recruiting class right now, I think, emphasizes that. Keeping the best players in South Carolina at home has been a priority. And, and knock on wood, we're doing a good job of that in this year's class and, and, go, and next year as well. And certainly an amazing atmosphere on Saturday uh, will help. And then, obviously, we need to coach well and, and play well. That'll really help um, as well. And, and working really hard to do that. And then give these kids that we're recruiting credit. I mean, they've really uh, connected with each other and bonded with each other and helping, helping recruit. You know, they're recruiting each other right now. Shane, I just wanted to start with, uh, did you live in the same neighborhood as Kirby <laughs> when you were there? Right? Just keeping the theme of the last couple of weeks. No, nah, Kirby was making more money than me, so he was, <laughs> he, was, he was living in Athens. We were all out in the suburbs, me and uh, out in Watkinsville, me and Sam. But y'all should do a story on the neighborhood that we all lived in because I would say that pretty much every assistant coach that's probably ever coached at Georgia has lived in that one neighborhood. So I lived in there with 
Jim Chaney, who was our offensive coordinator, Sam Pittman, um, Glenn Schumann, their defensive coordinator is in there right now. Um, Tracy Rocker was living in there. Jeremy Pruitt was living across the street from me as they were transitioning. Mike Bobo lived in that neighborhood when he was over there. Brian Schottenheimer lived in that neighborhood when he was on the staff. Um, I don't even know who's in there right now, but there's a, there's a, a bunch of them for sure. But no, Kirby was in the high end, high end part of Athens. And just as far as uh, Jordan and Mo, they will need surgery, right? Has that been scheduled yet? And how have the defensive guys, I mean, those injuries, injuries like that can be pretty devastating mentally for guys. How have the guys been the last couple of days, the players who are practicing, have they kind of, you know, moved forward with this and, you know, made peace with the idea that they won't be back? Yes, I believe the plan right now is um, to have surgery as of yesterday when I was talking to Clint Haggard and, and about the prognosis going forward. Uh, I don't think that'll be any time in the immediate future, probably in the next uh, four to six weeks, I guess, is when those surgeries will, uh, will take place. And what was the second part? The, uh, just the, the, the guys practicing, the defensive guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I'd be sitting here lying to you and say that it was easy and that it's just carry on. I mean, we just lost two really critical uh, pieces, players on our defense. And um, um, uh, that's tough to overcome. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it's the heart of your defense right there. And our guys hurt for them. But um, it's – it's the next man up mentality, and we all have to be better. And the best way that those guys and we can honor and play for, for Mo and Jordan is to go play well this week. And, uh, you know, it's part of it and hate it, but we got uh, no one sitting around feeling sorry for us right now. So though, I think those guys have rallied together. And like I said, we've got some fantastic players and leaders, Zach Pickens and Brad Johnson and, and those guys of the world that, that – um, um, are continuing to lead this defense in their absence as well. Rob Sale, the old offensive line coach at Georgia, lived in that neighborhood. Uh, Chris Wilson uh, lived in the house that I lived in. Will Friend lived in the house that I eventually bought. So it's a heck of a story. Roanoke, Mike Griffith, y'all. That's the name of the neighborhood in Watkinsville, man. Shane, keeping you on the walk down memory lane, as you look back on the time you spent under Kirby, I know there were some talented players when you guys got there, but what were some of the things you gleaned from him about building a program, instilling a culture from the ground up? Yeah, Kirby Smart made me a better football coach. Um, that was a, a really, really beneficial uh, two years to um, to be with him, you know, and, and um him coming, it was it was a great ex opportunity for me to one coach at a place like Georgia, live in a city like Athens, but to come in and um, see the whole Nick Saban, Alabama, the process and all that, but see it implemented from day one, where Kirby's taken over a program. Uh, I came in there at the end of December, right when he first got hired, after we won our bowl game at Virginia Tech, and then to be able to see everything implemented in year one um and you know that year was not easy i mean we lost to vanderbilt at home we lost to georgia tech at home <clears throat> um struggled to beat nickel state early in the season at home um 
but then to see how just recruiting wise and continuing to build that program to where now in year two we went and won the rose bowl and played for the national championship uh and seeing how he handled coaches seeing how he handled the day-to-day stuff the recruiting part of it practice i mean there's a lot of things that we do here that are directly from things that i took from my time at Georgia. And there's things that we don't do. I mean, we do things, a lot of things differently as well. But when you talk about all the places that I've been as a coach and coaches that I've taken things from, as far as this organization and how we try and structure stuff, a lot of it, you know, came from my time with Kirby and certainly really appreciative of that opportunity that, that he gave me and everything that I learned from him. Uh, you mentioned obviously you can't run the ball sixty times in a game, but also she'll try to run. How do you kind of go? Didn't say about- we couldn't. I just said that we may not. I mean, I've right. I've been a, if we could get out there and find a way to run the ball sixty times Saturday, that would be thing mean things are really going well for us if we well, could do that. But maybe but, you don't want to. How do you go about trying to find that identity and maybe strike that balance, especially when you play a game against a team that their identity is already pretty established in Arkansas last week and Georgia this week? Yeah, um, it's tough. I mean, we can sit here and say. We want to run the ball. Well, I think Georgia was number one in the nation last year in stopping the run. And Or if they weren't number one, they were number two because the other team was Alabama. So it's no secret that the two teams that played for the national championship are the two best teams in the nation last year at stopping the run. And that's pretty consistent every single year. If you look at run defense, there's the best teams in the nation are going to be up there. So uh, these guys aren't going to be easy to run the football on. Uh, we've got to really work hard as coaches to come up with a plan to be able to to run the ball um, uh, because it's going to be a long day Saturday if we're not able to run the ball a little bit against these guys. That's just a fact. And, um, you know, so that's the challenge for us is is finding finding that balance against a team that that prides themselves on stopping the run and do a great job of it as well. But we got really good players on this offense and really good coaches and and confident that we'll, uh, you know, put together a a plan that allows us to, to do that as well. And then also be able to stop the run because frankly I mean the Georgia's watching our tape from from that Arkansas game last Saturday and probably feeling really good about being able to get up and hand the ball to those big running backs that that they got over in Athens right now as well based on what we showed on tape last year last week against Arkansas welcome back (laughs) thanks glad to be back you come in Saturday you got a baby shower bachelor party anything else you're going to my man (laughs) I'll be there. I got, I you got know I love more, you, Mike. I, I got All one more wedding on the schedule for next year, so hopefully it can be a bye week <laughs> or something. But it's not mine. But uh, Shane, I guess offensively, I think you guys are averaging like 20 or 30 more yards per game right now. I mean, as I know, it's a small sample size, but yeah. and close to 100 yards more passing right now. I mean, just where do you feel like this group is offensively from year one through, I guess, two games now? And I guess what's – I mean, what is it that you take now going forward to build some of that consistency, find maybe some more running holes? I know you mentioned some of it. But I guess what is maybe different about this group right now? Um, I would say there's a better understanding. A lot of these guys, it's year two in their in the system. So there's a better understanding uh, that, that they have of what we're asking them to do. There's a better understanding of us. And then, frankly, we got more depth. Um, you know, we've got – a. Um, a really experienced quarterback that continues to get more and more comfortable with what we're doing each week. We've got um, more experienced running backs. We've got um, more depth at wide receiver. When you look at you know what Juice did last week, when you look at what um, Jalen Brooks did the week before, you look at uh, what AB has done 
And then you add Josh Van and the carry-on joiner and Xavier Leggett to that. Then you've got Jaheim Bell and Austin Stogner. I mean, we've got more weapons around the guys than what we went into uh, the season with, you know, last year at this time. And, excuse me, for us, it's just continuing to, um, you know, develop depth and, and continue to get more and more confident, more and more comfortable with what we're doing as well. And y'all know I love Ben. That was totally a joke, right? I don't, I don't need to be on SEC Network like another – coach was in this league because he got into it with a reporter last week or something. That was totally a joke. So, all right. Thank you. Yep, y'all brought the A-team in today. When I t- called you out on the teleconference, I didn't know you'd actually come well, on Tuesday. So. I wasn't going to. I wasn't sure Ben was going to be. I had to cover for him. <laughs> uh, you mentioned um, the changes at Georgia. Obviously, they lost 15 guys to the NFL yeah. uh, draft. So, two qu- two-part question. Georgia part is – what are some of the different things that you're seeing from Georgia, I guess, schematically or just their personality-wise? And then secondly, how has Freddie Kitchens influenced the program? That was a guy, he could have gone to Clemson, and he chose to come here instead. And how did you, I guess, how'd you get him over Dabo and Woody? I mean, those are guys that he played for and coached with. Yeah. Um, schematically, all three phases, or are you talking more schematically, defensively, and all the guys they lost? Um, terms of all three yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, offensively, they bring not much because they bring so many guys back. You know, when you look at last year's tape, um, when you look at last year's tape offensively and then this year's tape, I mean, it's the same people other than, you know, Zamir and and uh, a couple other guys, I guess the Burton at receiver. Uh, but it's a lot of the same people, you know, and it's it's a, not a huge body of work because they've had two blowout wins. So it's you're guessing a little bit because they haven't had to do a whole lot, honestly, these first two weeks. I mean, that Oregon game was – Oregon turned the ball over, what, two times in the first three possessions and was pretty much over um, after that. And then the Sanford game was, what, 30 to nothing, I think, at halftime. So you're basing on a very small body of work. But offensively, you see them using the tight ends, obviously, with Washington and Bowers and, and Gilbert and the way that they rolled those three guys in there as well. And very multiple. And I don't think they've turned the ball over yet offensively, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's right. No turnovers or fumbles or interceptions. I may be wrong on that. If they have, they haven't done it many. Uh, So they're just doing a good job of just being efficient and protecting the football. And then defensively, kind of the same thing. Like, they're very multiple on defense. We know that. They haven't had to show a lot at this point. So, you know, they may come out there on Saturday, and it's a lot more multiple than – than they've been the first two games. First two games, it's been, I don't want to say simple because it's not simple when you're facing those guys, but really good players, really tough, really physical, um, and, and make it really hard to run the ball. And then when you throw it too, it's going to be competitive catches. I mean, they've got size in the secondary, and they're really good. So you, there's not a lot of teams with wide-open receivers running down the field. And, and if you do, they ain't going to be wide open for long because of their closing speed. And then special teams. I mean, I know the emphasis at Kirby – puts on that I was there for two years and saw it directly and, and that shows as well when you turn on the tape and there's Brock Bowers covering punts and there's Lad McConkey covering punts and there's Nolan Smith on the punt pressure team trying to block punts and return punts I mean it's they're um, they're really good and a challenge and then Freddie's been fantastic uh, you'd have to ask him that that question about how we got him but Freddie's a close friend Freddie's somebody that I've known since 2004 when we were all in Starkville together uh, on that first uh, coaching staff with Sylvester Croom and he's been good just being able to help me and help the offensive staff and um, he's a great um, um, personality you know him to have in this building as well and 
he's been a good resource, even for our, a lot of our, our players too. The fact that he's been in the NFL for so long and has coached some um, high-profile players, uh, being able to help our guys and just being able to you know pull an offensive lineman aside or pull a tight end aside or pull a receiver aside or a defensive back or whoever and just kind of talk to him about things. He's it's good to have another set of eyes that can can help me and the other coaches with maybe things that we miss. Hey, Coach, you talk about Oregon turning the ball over, I think, twice in the first three possessions. Does it almost feel like you almost have to play near flawless football against a, a defense like Georgia? And I guess the second part of that question, does it feel like you maybe have to throw sort of the proverbial kitchen sink at a, at a defense like Georgia? Um, no, because I think to the second question first, I think if you do that, you can end up, you know, hurting yourself a little bit too. I mean, we want to continue to condense what we do offensively and just make sure that we're sound. Okay. We however number of plays we have, we know as an offense, how we're going to be able to block it and run routes against these multiple looks that we're going to get, as opposed to having too many schemes that you're trying, you can't rep it all against all the stuff that you're going to see from them. Uh, so you just really just try and dive in and have an idea of what you're going to expect, but knowing how multiple they are, you know, whatever they did on third down against Oregon and Samford, you're probably going to see a completely new third down package from them for us, you know, so it's just working on um working on ourselves and being good. And I'm sorry, what was the first part? Oh, um, I think you gotta, we got to play smart football and efficient. And that's one thing that we haven't done the first two weeks. <clears throat> we've, we've done some really good things uh, offensively uh, the first two games, but we've had way too many negative plays. We've had way too many drops. We've had way too many turnovers. Uh, we've just, when you talk about, negative things on offense we've had way too many of those the last two games and then you could say the same thing defensively the last game with with mental mental errors and and missed tackles so we've got to play we've got to have a lot more um winning winning reps winning plays if you will than what we've had the last two two weeks as well and you know just have those have those winning plays and just try and stack one on top of another and see where we are at the end of the day Hey, Shane, you right. mentioned that you do tackling drills on Tuesday. Uh -huh. Well, because you're so banged up and your depth issues, are you able to go as hard as yeah. business as usual? And also, how's Nick doing? I mean, after the game he had, uh, the extensive snaps as a true freshman and his physical style of play, yeah. how's he bouncing back physically? Yeah, good question on the first part. Uh, no, we have to do be smart with as beat up as we are on defense. It wouldn't be very smart to go out there and just um, – do get too crazy today so for example the, the one period we did everything that we normally do on a Tuesday it was the exact same Tuesday practice this morning that we had last week against Arkansas uh, for the as far as how we structured it but what we did is when we did the the period that we normally do live tackling reps in we did um, more plays today but one less tackling play if that makes sense so normally we'd have four plays or really eight in that period where we tackled to the ground today we had six but we did more plays where it's we call it thud where it's full speed we just don't take guys to the ground you know but it's still a physical period so yes we got to be smart with our players but I don't believe I know how physical Georgia f plays we can't just sit here and say okay we're gonna all of a sudden just turn it on Saturday and flip the switch and play physical you got to 
you got to practice that way and you got to prepare that way. So we're doing that the best uh, that we can. And Nick, I think it's been good. Nick's a, uh, Nick's a smart guy, as, as he's shown the last two weeks. The moment's not too big for him. You know, first game, home opener, a lot of distractions out there in the stadium. He wasn't the starter, but then he got thrown in there. Um, early in the game, played great. Well, last week was different for him because he knew going into the week he's going to be the starter, and he's going on the road. He's away from Columbia. Um, I'm a, I don't know if he's ever – I'm guessing he had. Last week may have been his first time he's ever flown on a plane. I don't know. Um, but there was a lot of new last week, and he handled it great. You know, the moment wasn't too big for him. Well, you know, he's got another um, – Another great challenge this week as well, but Nick prepares the right way and, and uh, has fun playing and, and competing and certainly really proud of him and the start that he's had so far. Hey, Shane, hope you're well. Um, so, I mean, I know DeCarion Joyner's been uh, banged up a little bit, mm -hmm. but when he's healthy, what is his role in the offense and what does he do for the team as a whole with that personality? He's yeah, got? he's a great leader, first and foremost. Um, I love DeCarion Joyner and... Um, he's everything that's right, you know, about Carolina football. And he's a hell of a football player, too. And he's really good on us for special teams and offense in multiple multiple positions. Um, it's not like we have forgotten what he did in the bowl game. He showed he can play quarterback uh, in that bowl game at a high level. Um, he hasn't been. He wasn't healthy in that first game, and he was more healthy, healthier, uh, last Saturday against Arkansas. So when he is healthy, he's a fantastic leader. He's a really good football player that's a valuable member of all of our special teams and then a valuable member of our offense, whether it's whether it's wide receiver, whether it's quarterback, whatever. He can um, He's shown that he can do that, and we need to continue to find ways to, um, um, to, to, ha to keep him involved, have him involved. What are your takeaways from how Jaheim was used in the first couple of games? Um, I think good. I mean, we tried to get the ball to him a lot of different ways against um, against uh, Georgia State, and we did handing the ball to him and um, uh, throwing the ball to him and, and trying to get it to him in different ways, and and did the same thing against Arkansas too. I mean, the, one of the I think it was the next to last play of the game or one of those plays. I mean, we ran deep balls down the field, and we're trying to get the ball to him on a deep ball down the field. And I think Spencer got sacked on that play or, or whatnot. But, I mean, he's always a part of our plan. But, you know, uh, it's we've got more players on offense. So, I mean, there's going to be a game Saturday night where – or there's going to be a Saturday where Jaheim catches – 10 balls and Jalen Brooks catches 10 balls. And then I come in here on Tuesday and you guys are asking me why Juice Wells and Austin Stoddard didn't get the ball more. And then there's going to be a Saturday where Marshawn Lloyd and Juju rush for a hundred yards a piece. And then I'm going to come in here and y'all are going to want to know what happened to the passing game and why AB's not more involved along with Xavier Leggett. You know, it's a good problem to have. We got a bunch of really good players on offense and, and we're trying to get them all uh, involved. But at the end of the day, we're trying to do what is – what gives us the best chance to be successful. And it's not like when we call a play, Spencer doesn't look at that wristband and read the play, and then in parentheses it says throw to Jaheim or throw to AB. 
I mean, we breed it out. And if the play may go to Jaheim, the play may go to AB, it may go to Van, uh, whoever. Um, it's just kind of how the how the defense plays it. And, there, and don't get me wrong, there are plays too where we are trying to get the ball to certain people. We, we had a couple plays specifically for Josh Van last week that, that we put in, but you know we, um, we, we have options on every play and that's a good thing to have. And that's one thing Georgia does a great job of. I think Stetson threw the ball to like 11 different receivers or something in the last game. We've got to continue to spread the ball around where we're not always going to just one guy, if, uh, if that makes sense. All right, thank you all for coming out. Have a great week. You going back today, Mike? Thanks for coming over. Okay, that's it from Coach Beamer. Appreciate you guys tuning in. We have hit 2 o'clock. We're going to get after it. Hey, content bleeding out the eyeballs. As always, stay tuned to everything. Of course, podcasts will drop tomorrow. And the Daily Crow every single day this week, noon, to two guys again appreciate you all tuning in thank you all so much have a great rest of your tuesday and we will talk you all tomorrow take care